The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Cannabis Enlightened. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. Hey, everybody. Dr. Leroy here with Cannabis Enlightened. And as I look above myself, we're outside and it's a beautiful day in San Diego. And we're here at Farmer's Cup with the head organizer, Barry. Now, Barry, you've been with me before on an episode, um, but I'd like to get your take on how things are going today at this Farmer's Cup event. Um, Can you kind of give the folks listening your perspective of uh, what's happening today? Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much, Doctor. Um, yeah, we're, well, so let me clarify. Um, this is the San Diego Cannabis Farmers Market uh, event, and the Farmers Cup is one of their events. Okay. So I just want to make sure Farmers Cup does have a booth here, and uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we're having some fun. So yeah, it's a beautiful day out here. Uh, we've got uh, a, a nice sampling, I think, of different parts of the industry. Some people who uh, are helping people get licensing. There are some politicians here. We've got uh, John Hammerling, who's uh, running for sheriff, and uh, cool. Tiffany Boyd Hodgson, uh, who is running uh, for a uh, board of supervisors seat. Uh, that's a vitally important seat. Uh, the person she's running against is someone that's not a big fan of our industry. And um, so, you know, we definitely like to give her some some big props. Um, but we've got some dispensaries out here, some manufacturers out here, some uh, cultivators, uh, a, a few. Uh, uh, there's a um, Infinite, Infinite Labs is out here. They're a, a, a testing lab facility. Uh, there's just a lot of people here, and it looks like it's, it's coming off well. So you've got some sessions going on today. Can you talk about or give us the, the name of those sessions that are happening? Right. I think the Women in Cannabis panel uh, is just uh, just finishing up right now. Okay. Uh, then I believe next up we have the Psychedelics panel. And we're pretty lucky about this one. Mm. Um, one of the, you know, I don't know what, what to say, whether the states or one of the countries. Uh, foremost experts on psychedelics just moved to San Diego, Mike Margolis, okay. and he does uh, psychedelic seminars. Okay. And he's moderating the forum. We've got Colin Wells on the forum, uh, JM Balbuena. I can't remember all the people's names, but that should be a fascinating forum because, you know, uh, psychedelics and mushrooms, it's coming up fast, it's getting decriminalized. Right. Uh, they're, right. I think, Oregon, it's, they're legal in Oregon now. and Maybe Colorado. I'm not really certain. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at the end of the day, between 3 and 4.20, we have a cannabis equity panel. Right. And and this is really one of the most important subjects in cannabis, certainly in San Diego right now, Mm -hmm. and possibly in the whole country. Probably all over the country, yeah. I was going to say that. It really is. So Mm -hmm. uh, the idea, of course, is to benefit or give... Uh, a leg up or a helping hand to those who have been, um, you know, very, very negatively impacted by the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's a large group of people that have mm-hmm. been negatively impacted by the war on drugs, mm-hmm. but some certainly more than others. And how many, how many folks do you think that are here today? Well, you know, it's a free event. Right. And so when we ask RSVP to a free event, <laughs> we don't usually expect to get much. Right. Um, but a thousand people RSVP'd. Wow. Uh, and so we assume at least that many are coming that sure. that didn't RSVP. So we, sure. we figure about 2,000 will be coming through uh, from start to finish during the day. Wow. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a great time for someone who maybe doesn't know a lot about cannabis to come on out and just talk to people, just look around. Uh, there's no commitment that they have to make, but just ask questions. I, I think this is a marvelous event. There are really quite a lot of jobs available in there. I was talking okay. to everybody and I mean, it wouldn't be difficult to get an entry level job at all. 
right. in the cannabis industry right now. There are they're hiring trimmers and bud tenders, and those are both. I think they're maligned positions that are not getting the credit they deserve. Mm -hmm. They're extremely good to get you from a point where maybe you're just a cannabis user to where you start to get savvy with regard to right. the industry. And it's not that easy. Right. It takes quite a lot of time. And I think education is the answer. And I don't think there's a lot of jobs you can get without at least that kind of experience right. and so that's definitely available here but there's some other we saw some educators here some people with PhDs mm -hmm. who are trying to figure out how to how to break in and that's great too right. so Barry I, I don't want to keep you away from the um, from the festivities the the conferences going on I saw you uh, taking pictures so you're all over the place what's a couple of the takeaways that you'd like people to to uh, experience as they go through the conference. Wow, that's a, that, that's a tough one. I think that I think that a lot of laymen, people who are not in the industry currently, don't realize how difficult it is for the groups that are licensed. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the view of the general public is that <clears throat> licensed groups they're just making a lot of money. They're, mm -hmm. They got in somehow, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just piling up. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is is that many, if not most, uh, of the licensed groups are having a difficult time. Right. They're right. dealing with onerous regulations right. and you know tax uh, situations that are, they're just not fair. Right. And so I, I, you know, I think that we really need community support to to get behind this industry that can bring a lot of money and, and quite frankly, a lot of healing uh, and, and just a lot of joy to, right. to the San Diego community right. if it's embraced. People people need to learn. So how would folks get in touch with you? Um, that's easy. They can, <laughs> they can email at info at farmerscupofficial.com. Uh, you can go on our website, farmerscupofficial.com. Um, Instagram, anything that's Farmers Cup, there's Farmers Cup official, Farmers Cup virtual. Right. If you put Farmers Cup in It'll Google, you'll find us. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it's it's not hard, and and like I said, we are willing, uh, and and sometimes able, uh, to work with any group that's interested. And I gotta say, from personal experience, um, Barry is a most informative, interesting individual. Knows a lot about the industry. Goes way back. <laughs> in the industry and have some stories to tell. Thank you very much, Barry, for spending this time with me. And good luck on today's conference. Thank you, Dr. Brady. Appreciate it. Dr. Leroy, back with you again on Cannabis Enlightened, and we are very fortunate to have an attorney here with us today, S. Edward Wicker, who has an interesting point of view uh, slash story with respect to cannabis. And Edward, thank you for being on the program, and I'm going to ask you to enlighten our audience with who you are and what you're all about. Good afternoon. I thank you for inviting me. It's, it's my uh, pleasure to be at this wonderful cannabis event today. I, I'm just always so uh, impressed uh, to see the cannabis industry uh, at the, these, these beautiful hotels. Uh, it just is an indication of uh, the acceptance and success of the cannabis, cannabis industry. So, so uh, Edward, how long have you been involved with cannabis? Well, I have been working with uh, cannabis businesses as, as the main part of my career for uh, just about the last 10 years. Okay, okay. And, and, and as you've been working with cannabis during those 10 years, what do you find that's most interesting? What I find most uh, interesting is uh, the uh, success of people. That's the most interesting as well as the most challenging. Uh, the cannabis laws today are not uh, as fair as they should be. Mm. Uh, th right. There are excessive regulations, high tax issues, uh, but uh, it, it's my joy to work with clients that find 
ways and means to be successful. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I find to be uh, mo most interesting. And is most of your practice working with, um, would you say 80, 90, or 50% of your practice working with cannabis industry uh, individuals? It, it's more like 95%. 95%. Yeah, yeah. So anyone listening to this that needs a, an attorney who really knows his stuff in the cannabis industry, they need to get in touch with you. Well, well thank, thank you for the kind words. Yes, I have an attorney that works with me, Michael uh, <clears throat> Casey McCracken who works full-time uh, handling uh, a cannabis business transactions. Mm -hmm. uh, we work either for a buyer uh, of a cannabis business or a seller or work with a broker. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a large part of what we do. And I also work with uh, many other aspects related to the cannabis industry, uh, real estate, uh, zoning compliance, obtaining the necessary local or mm -hmm. state permits. What has been the best thing that you've seen since you've been, the last 10 years, you've been working in um, the cannabis industry. What, what, what is the best, you know, particular growth or benefit that you've seen happen? The overall acceptance of uh, cannabis and society. It's, it's really been a breakthrough uh, to see that uh, uh, cannabis is no longer regarded as a, a, you know, a, a, a dangerous uh, uh, substance that, that has no medicinal value. Uh, rather, uh, people are recognizing uh, that uh, it, it truly is a plant that has many uh, beneficial and, and medicinal, medi medicinal qualities right. and can simply add joy to your life really mm -hmm. uh, you know in addition to uh, uh, the the nuanced medical side uh, it is a, a, an alternative to alcohol uh, that doesn't nearly have the extent of uh, it, deep intoxication that, that alcohol does and it is it, it just simply is a substance that can be uh, enjoyed um, right. you know as an attorney uh, I, 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 I think it's extremely important to respect the law and as an American, you know, this, it should not be cliche to refer to uh, our American values as the pursuit of, uh, of liberty right. and this is something that needs to carry over in the laws relative to cannabis. Right. Right. And this, this is very much a work in progress when we look at uh, federal prohibition that continues through today, uh, the extent of uh, dense regulations at the state of California level, and the uh, uh, you know, inconsistent patchwork of local regulations throughout the state affecting cannabis. And how would folks get in touch with you? Check out my webpage, wickerlawgroup.com, where I have, well, I, I try and post a lot of information that would be helpful resources to someone uh, interested in learning more about cannabis business. Well, thank you very much, Edward. Thank you for giving some, your time for my program today. I appreciate your, your words of wisdom and your direction, and especially information that will help uh, listeners that need some uh, guidance, some advice with respect to cannabis, they know who to contact. Thank you for your kind words. I I'm here to help any way I can. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Cannabis Enlightened. I am your host, Dr. Leroy, and today, this gorgeous day in San Diego, we are at the Four Point Sheraton at the Farmer's Cup, and there are dynamite sessions going on, uh, women in cannabis, the future of psychedelics, um, and just social equity. There are a number of great, great sessions going on, but we have the distinct pleasure of interviewing a candidate for supervisor and I'm gonna let Tiffany come on and introduce herself and uh, just briefly tell us a little bit about who she is. Tiffany. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Leroy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I am Dr. Tiffany Boyd Hodgson. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am running for Board of Supervisors, District 5, and that's northern San Diego County, stretching from Oceanside all the way out to Borrego Springs. It uh, follows along the 78 corridor. It's about 200, uh, or excuse me, it's, it's got about 690,000 people in it, okay. uh, 2,200 square miles, and it's a very big district. The supervisors have a very big budget, and we're running a great race. It's a competitive race, and we're hoping to win on November 8th. All right, and you were saying something very interesting before we came on the air, that when you originally set out, you didn't set out to run for supervisor. You were looking for candidates to run. That's right. I, so I currently am a, an elected official in San Marcos, where I live, which is in North County. I serve on a water district. And uh, during COVID-19, COVID-19 was really hard on a lot of people, especially in North County. Uh, we lost 25,000 jobs, and a lot of people died. Oh and the, uh, the incumbent supervisor, in my opinion, did not handle the pandemic very well. He uh, is on record saying that we only had six pure deaths from COVID. Um, I'm a scientist by training, and I, I'm not an epidemiologist or a virologist. I'm a neuroscientist, but even I understand that that was nonsense. So I started looking for someone to run for this office, and in the course of talking to about 50 people, people started asking me, why don't you run? <laughs> Which was not what I wanted to hear, but, um, yeah. but I agreed. And so I'm running. We're running a great race. Fantastic. So you started out looking for a candidate. That's right. And all of a sudden, as you talk to people, they said, you sound like a good candidate. So you're in it to win it right now. I guess so. Yes. No, I am. I am in it okay. to win it. And I think it's going to be a tight race. Sure. It is a competitive race. I will be the first woman to occupy the seat ever in the history of San Diego County Board of Supervisors if I win. All right. So uh, can you give us a couple of the initiatives that you'd like to drive as, as supervisor? Sure. So one of the things that's really starting to face North County is affordable housing and homelessness. And so what I have wanted to do, one of my first priorities, is to convene a housing and homelessness summit. And that is to bring a lot of grassroots organizations and stakeholders together. They're already doing the work of helping our unsheltered neighbors, bringing them together, making sure that I understand what their resource needs are, what they are doing, what they are good at, how the county can help, bringing those folks together to really tackle this issue. A second issue that I've talked a lot about, um, and is why I'm here at mm -hmm. the Cannabis Business Expo, is partnering with IBEW and Palomar College to, um, to orchestrate a cannabis-centered curriculum mm -hmm. so that we can train young people in, uh, in the science, in the sales, in the entrepreneurship, in the business aspect of the cannabis industry and grow that industry in North County, give a lot of opportunity to young people. Well, Tiffany, when you talk about education and you put together cannabis, you're singing my song. Mm -hmm. uh, cannabis Enlightened is all about um, education, bringing forth the knowledge. As a matter of fact, one of my biggest slogans is knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly something we need here in the uh, cannabis space. So you've been here at Farmer's Cup today and um, any interesting things you've seen that's going on in the cannabis space? So interestingly, a lot of folks have come from Riverside and L.A. counties, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. I've talked with a lot of those folks. I think San Diego has such a tremendous opportunity to grow this industry, and folks from outside the county are recognizing that. And in particular in District 5, there's a lot of unincorporated areas, and the Board of Supervisors is their, their first level of representation. I think that San Diego County can really be a leader in this space, and that's being recognized by folks north of us in L.A. and Riverside counties. Right, right. So, Tiffany, if there was one thing that you would like to accomplish first, uh, your first day as supervisor, what would that one thing be? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> In my first day, I think what I would like to do is I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And what I would like to do is bring stakeholders with expertise in areas that I don't possess together and have a conversation about how we can change the Board of Supervisors to really work for the people. Because in, 
up until now, it has been represented by folks that work for, for example, developers. And we need it to work for the people. There's so many health and human services that the Board of Supervisors governs that we need to start ensuring that we are listening to the people and working for the people. Right. Fantastic. That sounds like a a very big goal, and it sounds like a worthwhile goal that that you're going to attempt. Um, You're here at the Farmers' Cup. Um, Any interesting things, other interesting things that you've noticed? I I remember you just saying a few minutes ago that you see a lot of people, you've talked to a lot of people from Riverside. Um, Anything else that you've noticed here? You know, what I think is really interesting about the cannabis industry in the cannabis space is that it gives people a lot of freedom to develop their own creative ideas. So I've seen a lot of folks here that are specializing in hiring folks into the ca- into cannabis businesses. Um, I've seen staffing firms. I've seen people that are, of course, selling you know CBD-infused products and cannabis-infused products. That seems to be kind of the obvious, what I would expect. But seeing branches of uh, other offshoots and people exploring their creativity it's really wonderful to see and those are an opportunity for you know if I if I am able to partner with a community college to build that curriculum those are folks that I want to know because we're going to be graduating youth and young people into the cannabis industry and they're going to need jobs so maybe staffing solution um, companies that are intimately familiar with all the different aspects, maybe they can hire those folks. So I think that's really wonderful, and it's really exciting to see. Tiffany, you sound like an excellent candidate. Thank you. And it sounds like you're going to be a marvelous supervisor once you win. Thank you. I've already pronounced it into being. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Thank you. So that's going to be, the vote's going to be November the 8th. 8th is the last day to vote. You can vote right now. Your ballot's probably either in your mailbox or maybe on your kitchen counter. Fill it out. If you're in District 5, vote Tiffany Boyd Hodgson. Okay. And if, if folks want to get in touch with you, they, they've they heard this and they say, you know what? I want to get in touch with uh, Tiffany. How would they do that? We would love to have help on our campaign. We are a grassroots campaign. The The money raised is, is a, there's a great disparity between myself and the incumbent. Tiffany for supervisor.com. Tiffany spelled like the jewelry for supervisor. Dot com. Go on there. We need people to knock doors. We need people to phone bank. And we need money, frankly. We need donations, too. So go on that website. You can learn all about me. I love it. Tiffany liked the jewelry. Tiffany for Supervisor. Thank you very much for graciously giving your time today. Thank you, Dr. Lee. It's a pleasure meeting you. It's a pleasure to be on. Good meeting you, too. Leroy here again with uh, another fascinating guest on Cannabis Enlightened today. Um, wonderful day here in San Diego at the Farmers Cup. And we have someone who is in the cannabis industry, but a little bit different slant in the cannabis industry. Lisa Bernard, who's going to introduce herself in a few minutes, uh, is going to talk about another way that you can be awfully successful in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Lisa, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Can you talk to the audience and tell us what what kind of company are you the founder and CEO of? Sure. I am the CEO of Cannabis Team. Uh, cannabis Team is an executive search and staffing firm that focuses exclusively on finding talent for the cannabis industry. Um, we uh, launched the company about seven years ago, so that's 35 years in, in cannabis, years wow. ago, because, you know, five wow. years or seven years is equal to five, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> There's a, you know, one year is equal to five years in any other industry in, in, in cannabis, so uh, I feel like I've been doing this forever. Right, right. So, uh, you're, uh, as your card indicates, mm-hmm. you're worldwide, mm-hmm. so all over the world you find people for the cannabis industry? We place people at all levels within the industry and all verticals. Um, we initially started off just doing executive search, um, so placing mid-management to executive level um, across the U.S. Um, and most recently, as the cannabis industry started expanding into uh, Europe and Asia, we now also place talent there. Um, a lot of those countries oh. are looking for experience from the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. to you know help build 
uh, the infrastructure in, in various countries. Okay, so what is the biggest need that that you've been uh, you've encountered? What is mm -hmm. the biggest need that cannabis company have? You know, it really depends on what vertical they're in, right? Okay. If you think about the life cycle of a plant from the minute that seed goes into the soil, um, you know, to the place where the product actually hits a dispensary shelf, um, there's so many aspects to this industry. So, you know, we place people from big agriculture, you know, um, positions into the cannabis industry to cultivate, um, you know, extraction. We pull from the food and the wine industry, um, you know, chemists for testing, and then, uh, you know, obviously manufacturing different products, mm -hmm. edibles, et cetera. There's so many different, you know, positions that are um, open, you know, in those spaces. And wow. then obviously retail and executive level as well. So every cannabis company still needs a CFO or a mm -hmm. marketing person or, um, you know, a lawyer, uh, legal counsel. So we place all those positions. So, so people directly involved with cannabis and indirectly. We place the whole gamut, the whole gamut. We okay. specialize in the cannabis industry. So we also work with ancillary companies, you know, equipment ah, companies okay. or um, pesticides right. or, you know, those those kinds of companies, as long as they're related to the industry. So let's stimulate the listening audience uh, mm -hmm. with some money. What if you can give me a range? Mm -hmm. What would be a range that you find people and bring them into the cannabis industry? What kind of salaries would a person make? Oh my gosh, it can, you know, if you're entry level, um, we also place people on a temp and temp to hire basis now. So, you know, entry level, no experience, you can come in and earn $20 an hour in the industry and, okay. and be on a packaging, uh, in a packaging environment or, um, you know, cultivation, etc. So get your foot in the door that way. But we also place people, you know, with salaries of half a million and up, um, you know, we're in the C-suite. So wait a minute. Five hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely, you can yep. make in the in the cannabis, cannabis industry. industry. Yep, if okay. you're an executive with experience and you know with public company experience, because there's so many of the MSOs now wow. public, um, they definitely need you know very senior level expertise in order to you know st have strategy and uh, file the public filings and you know uh, you know plan for multi-state operations it's uh, it's become really sophisticated at the executive level and and you mentioned MSOs uh, mm -hmm. multi-state operators Mul multi-state operators MSOs okay. that's sort of a uh, very common term in the cannabis right. industry right mm -hmm. now and then we also there's also single state operators that are just functioning in one state mm -hmm. um, but with the you know where cannabis is today you know every company has to have a full vertical or be able to produce products in the state that they're operating in even if they're a multi-state operator because you cannot right. take you know a product across uh, a state line exactly. mm -hmm. so you're here today at this conference are you finding clients today you know, there's been a real buzz today. Um, you know, we're here to support the, the job fair. We're a recruiting firm. Um, we also spoke on the panel. Um, but there's tons of people here looking to just get into the industry, curious about, you know, what jobs they could qualify for. Um, and I, and I, there's a number of companies here that are looking for, for staff as well. Right. So, Lisa, how would folks get in touch with you? Um, probably the best is through our website, CannabisTeam.com. And Cannabis is spelled with a Z, Cannabis team um, uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn, Liesl Bernard. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Liesl, thank you very much for giving up your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We're back again, and we have another fine guest with us t today, um, bright San Diego, beautiful skies. Um, John, I'm going to let John introduce himself in just a minute. He is running for sheriff of San Diego County, and um, he's sitting here with me in his, in his suit. With He doesn't have a tie on, but he looks rather sheriffy. <laughs> I'm making a new word. He looks sheriffy. sheriffy. I like that. I like that word. It's good. <laughs> John, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Um, Dr. Leroy, this is Cannabis Enlightened. And uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and um, why you want to run for sheriff. Uh, well, again, thanks for having me on here. I'm John Hermeling. I am running for sheriff here in San Diego County. And I, um, I thought about this going back. It's been a little over a year. You know, the previous sheriff retired and decided he wasn't going to run for reelection. 
And um, just working in law enforcement myself and seeing things going on, I think that um, it was an opportunity for myself to get involved and give the people of San Diego, a, you know, another option for somebody running for sheriff. You know, if you look at the history of um, that office, it's been people that have either been appointed or they've been an incumbent. And, you know, whenever we have things like that, the public really doesn't get a true choice on, you know, they don't get a chance to vet people and right. talk to them and, and pick that. And so I decided, hey, this is an opportunity. I, it's a continuation of service. I've had 30 years of public service oh. that uh, brought me here, and I recently retired. And I and I thought then uh, I need to give the public a choice, and uh, I think I'm a, the best choice for sheriff and that's why i ran well now here's a man that's that's really out for punishment you retired yeah which means that you have earned the right to go off and enjoy life but you're stepping right back in the middle maybe towards the top of the fray running for sheriff yeah, it's um, and I've been asked that question too. Some people say, you know, you, are you crazy? Why would you? Uh, why would you take on that task, especially you know the um, with law enforcement and then taking on another job after I retired? But it's kind of a continuation of service. Um, I um, spent thirty years in public service. I uh, between active and reserve, I spent thirty years in the Marine Corps. I retired as a colonel. Wow. I ended up uh, working about a decade as a beat cop in City Heights here in San Diego. I went to law school, became a prosecutor. Wow. Uh, eventually became the top lawyer for the chief of police here in San Diego, then I became the chief prosecutor here. And I, um, you know, and I just think that it's this, you know, giving back to the public and the citizens of San Diego County and the continuation of service. And yeah, I, um, I, you know, I could go off in the sunset and retire, but I think I still have a lot of, a lot of fuel left in the gas tank and a lot of service that I can continue to give to San Diego County. This is fantastic. I've never heard of someone that is more qualified for this position than you are. I mean, it sounds like yeah. you've you've seen it from both sides. Yeah. I mean, even to augment that with the military, yeah. then you've been a beat cop, a lawyer, yeah. and now sheriff. Yeah. My goodness. Um, y- your wife yeah. must be pulling her hair out. Yeah. What is going on with this man? <laughs> it's exactly true. And I find it, um, you know, without me saying it, and um, you you walked right into the uh, what I what I've been telling people, and you, and you picked up on it really quick, and that's the fact that. I have seen like the entire spectrum and I've talked about that you know it's not just you know one you know one one agency I've been successful in three or four different places and and, and in different organizations and I've worked, you know, not just a beat cop, but also then, you know, going and being a, going to law school, being a prosecutor, then then running a very large office as well. So I've seen law enforcement from the entire spectrum, mm-hmm. and I know what it takes to run and run and be a professional law enforcement organization, and what and what the people should expect from their professional law enforcement organization. So, John, what are some of the maybe two or three of the significant issues that you see confronting uh, the county that the sheriff should, you know, your first day or yeah. two um, right. should jump on well the first thing i think is um which i'm going to be working on from day one all through my all through my uh, tenure there will be to restoring the public trust and confidence in law enforcement i think that's important i think i want to um uh, they're going to be able to see that i'm i'm the face of the of the agency that's um that they can trust mm-hmm. i'll be out in front i'll be transparent i'll be a strong leader uh, but a couple of the top issues that are that are pressing right now in this mm-hmm. county. One is the 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 jail deaths. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had a senseless um, number of jail deaths. You know, a record pace um, that um, the current sh- the current leadership and my opponent who works there can't seem to stop that runaway train. And I think it directly goes back at leadership. And uh, leadership is one of the paramount things that I bring forward. My time in the Marine Corps, that I, things that I learned there, I was a I commanded it at at, at at every level, small units up to large units. Um, and um, the leadership that I also displayed whenever I was uh, a prosecutor and running a very large office there. Um, that's one thing that's going to really help not only restore the public trust, it's going to be, you know, knowing how to tackle these tough problems like jail deaths. Uh, violent crime is on the rise. Um, the stats have come out recently. Violent crime is higher than it's been in well over a decade. Um, I think that's important to everybody in, in, in every community. And I, and I, I tell people, I don't think the public has to have somebody give, show them a stat to be able to look at it. You walk around and you see things. You, you know, we all see with our own eyes what's going on. And I think it's something that needs to be addressed. And um, we need strong law enforcement and we need strong, you know, connection with the community. You know, getting back to that connection with the community and getting that, that input to also help that. I, I worked, like I said, in City Heights, one of the roughest areas in the county for nearly a decade. And I found the thing that really worked, you know, community, community policing was big back then. That, what that really meant was getting out of your car walking around, talking to residents, talking to business owners, you know, connecting with them, you know, and, and um, getting input on how we can do better to um, help those communities. Fantastic. It sounds yeah. like you have a real tight 
handle on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, city and county yeah. and law enforcement uh, from a legal standpoint, the law, um, prosecutor, and also, uh, as you mentioned, the beat cop, um, yeah. the sheriff deputies. I mean, um, yeah. I can't think of anyone who would be more qualified than you. Let me ask you this, though. You're, the, the election just happened. It's the next day. You walk into your office. You're the sheriff. What's the first thing you're going to do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, <laughs> wow, I got a really big task in front of me. And I'm going to look at that organizational structure, and I'm going to look at the uh, the priorities, and I'm going to write down what I think the priorities are for the first six months, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to immediately um, start working to hard towards that. Fantastic, fantastic. So if folks want to get in touch with you, where they hear this and they say, wow, I like what that guy's saying. He's talking about stopping deaths in within the, the jail system, um, community policing. How would they get in touch with you? Well, they would go to my website, um, johnhammerlingforsheriff.com, and I, uh, we have ways on there that you can contact me. Um, through email is usually the easiest, which is on that website, and we check our email all the time, and we respond to every single person, uh, whether they, whether, whether they are, are sending me um, hate mail or they're sending me love mail. <laughs> we, uh, we, we believe everybody needs to deserves a response, and that's what we should be as law enforcement leaders, that we represent everybody in this community. So. And I, um, and that's one reason why I came out here. You know, um, I do support the legal uh, marijuana and cannabis industry, and I've been, um, I've been about that for a very long time. It goes back to my time when I was a chief prosecutor, working with some of the, um, the organizations that were legal dispensaries in the city of San Diego. That, you know, that were being, you know, it's hurting their business whenever you have the illegal operations out there, and it's, it's important. And I, and I want everybody to know that I support that. You know, um, and that's why I came out. Well, you just hit the nail on the head. I was going to ask you about your position on, on cannabis, but you yeah. pretty much told the listening audience how you feel about it, yeah. and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're a supporter. Thank yeah. you very much. John, it's been a pleasure yeah. having you on Cannabis Enlightened with Dr. Leroy today, yeah. and I wish you much success um, on November the 8th, right? Yeah, people are supposed to vote. Yeah, November eighth. So vote if you haven't voted. Uh, please vote between now and November eighth. And um, if you have voted for me, thank you very much for your vote. I'm feeling good about it. And um, Dr. Leroy, thank you for having me on. Thank you, John. Thank good you. Good luck to you. Thank you. This is Dr. Leroy, Cannabis Enlightened, and we have a different type of guest with us today here at the Farmers Cup. So I'm going to let her come on and introduce herself and talk about what she does in the cannabis space. So all of you out there who are thinking, gosh, I got to either work in a dispensary or I got to grow cannabis, you're in for a real treat. Without any further ado, Hi, thank you very much for having me today. This is Margit Whitlock with Architectural Concepts. I'm an architect and interior designer. And I got into the cannabis space in 2018 with a simple phone call from a friend of mine who's an attorney who said, I have some conditional use permits I need to do. Uh, can you help me? And so, yes, that's what we do as architects. We do conditional use permits, we do entitlements, and we do design for buildings, and it's a natural fit. So I got into the industry basically doing what we do by the conditional use permit. So we processed about eight conditional use permits uh, for manufacturing, cultivation, and dispensaries. Uh, we got them all approved, and those businesses went on to flourish. Um, I'm right now just finishing up our first dispensary uh, in Lemon Grove, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we got approval five to zero after many trials and tribulations prior with a different firm, so we kind of won, won on that one. Um, I'm also very interested in cannabis tourism. So our business is about hospitality design, so hotels, timeshares, restaurants, clubs, mm -hmm. spas, spa, lounges. And so I really want to pivot our, our expertise uh, into the cannabis tourism with the design of lounges and spas, treatment, wellness, retreats. I think that's really in our wheelhouse, and um, I think it's, a, it's a, just a 
booming business. And so as an architect and designer, I can definitely pivot and shift my talents over to the cannabis industry. I think that in a few minutes, you've probably opened up a whole new world of possibilities for a lot of listeners that perhaps want to get into the cannabis industry, not really sure where they fit, um, maybe don't feel like they belong in a dispensary or if they're like me, they no way, shape or form have a green thumb to grow, but they, they want to be, get in. And, you know, being an architect, that opens up a whole new avenue. And then you talked about hospitality. So this is really fascinating to people. So how would they get in touch with you to, to get some more information? Um, you can contact me by email. It's M-A-R-G-I-T at four, number four, designs with an S, dot com. So Marge at four designs dot com or Google Architectural Concepts Inc. in San Diego. You'll find our website there. You'll see our cannabis projects there. Um, but you know, just besides architecture, there's also engineering. So there's a lot of mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems that cannabis industry is very unique. Um, and I, if you're interested in science and engineering, you could definitely focus on that as well. If it's architecture isn't your thing. Um, there's a lot of different types of uh, product development. So even from a mechanical uh, system or a plumbing system or reclamation, uh, water reclamation systems, uh, filtering, all that is all very part of the built environment. So I think there's there's a vast opportunity to take what you're interested in and apply it to the cannabis industry. And as you said, you're local here in San Diego. Right, we're in San Diego. Our office is in Hillcrest. In Hillcrest. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. We really Leroy. appreciate you spending some time with us here today, and we look forward to talking with you again very soon. Thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. You too. Leroy here with um, a gentleman by the name of Brian Buckley. And even though this is our special edition of Cannabis Enlightened, this is a special, special precursor to an episode that I intend to do with Brian at a later time. But I just want to give the audience a taste of Brian. Now, he is a veteran. Correct. Okay. He's a veteran. He's dodged bullets many times. He's going to talk to you about shrapnel that's in his body and why he's here at this cannabis conference and what cannabis has done for him. So, Brian, welcome. I'm pleased to have you here. Please introduce yourself to our listening audience. Well, first off, thank you for having me. Truly honored to be here. Uh, my name is Brian Buckley. Served in the uh, United States Marine Corps. Majority of my career is spent in special operations as a Marine Raider. And when I left the service, I walked out as a 100% disabled veteran. Uh, post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury. I was shot up in Afghanistan, so a bunch of shrapnel through my body and a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. And really, my body was just at war with itself. And in 2016, I got introduced to cannabis. Worked amazing for me. So I decided to say, what's the problem here with getting cannabis into the VA system? Sat down with members of Congress. I said, what do you guys need? They said, go get data and go get American doctors, and you're going to have a good argument. And we've done just that, and that's what we're working on right now. Fantastic. And I, I think I can help you with that because I just did an episode, um, Jaime and Nicole, yeah. Um, they, um, Nicole contracted four stage cancer um, almost maybe a little bit more than a year ago wow. or something between 12 months and, and, and six months. And she was taking um, high doses, has been taking high doses of um, cannabinoids. And um, she is cancer free at this time. Amazing. So they did a case study. Sure. And I'm going to make sure I send you a copy of that. Please okay. do. Please but do. You are the first person I've had on the program that I will have on the program because mm -hmm. I'm going to hunt you down to get you to do an episode. Sounds good. That has been a veteran. Yeah. A veteran and has used cannabis and has found relief. And can you talk about what configuration, what type of the cannabis you use to bring you relief? You know, what has worked best for me is probably a vape pen is okay. just it really it kind of hits quick in your frontal lobe and kind of calms things down. Uh, we know in our research, just working with the Israelis who, you know, is, is a company called Niamedic. They've been doing research for about 25 years. 
what we will research will either be in a pill or tincture form. And the reason being is they've been through clinical trials. So you can't use right. a battery and stuff like that. They're like, hey, right. we already got one real big variable called cannabis. We can't add another one in there. Mm-hmm. And for us to get an institutional review board on a scheduled one drug was a massive deal. Uh, and we don't have a DEA license. We're not working with the NIDA program uh, out of the University of Mississippi. It's our own product. So we can actually get a proper formulation and treatment protocol that will be effective to reduce the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been taking cannabis to help you? Uh, 2016 was the first time I was introduced to it, and it was like love at first sight. I mean, I was a little (laughs) bit apprehensive, you know, and I I never had a problem with cannabis. I mean, I was just always an athlete growing up, and Mm -hmm. I never wanted to put smoke in my lungs or anything. And then, you know, you get in the military, you just, you don't even think about it. You know, we just go to the bars and drink, and that's how we kind of get our relief. Uh, But when I was given cannabis for the first time, it really felt like a warm blanket enveloped itself around my brain, and I was able to get a full night of rest. And I don't know how many years. How often are you consuming cannabis now? I will consume cannabis, cannabis nightly. Um, I know some people can use it through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's almost like some sort of trigger. As soon as I start using cannabis, it's kind of like the shutdown switch. Like I'm done working, it's time to relax and just kind of get my mind right for the next day. So. Mm-hmm. Typically, what I do is uh, around dinner time, I might take three hits off of my uh, vape pen, kind of starts warming up my endocannabinoid system, get the kids bathed, get them in the bed, all that stuff. Then I'll go have uh, some more uh, cannabis at that right before I go to sleep. Hopefully, I'm crawling into bed. If not, I'll go werewolf and beat up my refrigerator and wake up <laughs> the next morning and really upset about it. So uh, that's kind of how my routine goes with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me briefly about some. what are some of the things you couldn't do prior to 2016 that after 2016 now you can do you know it obviously being here in california cannabis was always available i just never really thought about it before and you know being a 100 percent disabled veteran you roll into the va they're doing the best they can with what they have and unfortunately all they have is money and opiates yeah and it was just like you know they're giving you 15 pills there's uppers and downers and lefts and rights Uh, and things to counter that and you just don't feel great about yourself so when someone's like, hey, just try this out, again, there was some anxiety at first. You're like, man, I just never really thought about using this. You know, I grew up in the 80s when it was like, just say no and stuff. Right. But when I tried right. it, instantly I just felt the relief and I'm like, right. this is incredible. And all suddenly, like, you know, I right now I'm dealing with some like migraines and stuff like that. And I tell people it's kind of my toll I got to pay every now and then to the Lord of War. It's just mm-hmm. kind of one of those things we bring back with us. But when you start using cannabis, it just instantly kind of calms down the music and just kind of provides relief and you just relax and you just feel good. So, so Brian, what, what brings you here to um, the Farmer's Cup? So things we do with our nonprofit Battle Brothers, we help out veterans with personal, medical, and economic. And the economic phase is we want to help veterans find a job and give them a sense of purpose like they had in the military so they don't make a mistake they can't come back from. And part of the beauty is we started our company called Hellman Valley Growers Company, where we donate 100% of our profits back to our research. Mm -hmm. This gives an opportunity for veterans to come work with Hellman Valley Growers Company. And you might not be wearing a uniform, but you're still serving a higher purpose. And you will change the medical landscape of this country because we have an institutional review board, which falls under the FDA, Mm -hmm. that we can actually do clinical trials with medical cannabis. So your organization has a grower you know, growth opportunities or absolutely they, have, they grow cannabis. Yes. In the county or in LA? Uh, we're based in, in San Diego. Okay. And uh, we are all throughout the state uh, within dispensaries. Um, you know, we were our uh, headquarters is based out Chula Vista and we oh. got our uh, manufacturing distribution area out of Miramar. But it's been great. Recently in the past three weeks or so, we've hired about six veterans to come work for us in different wow. capacities. So where is your grow located? We do not have a cultivation site. We were about to open up one, and then the price of flour plummeted in California. So the economics, you're like, it doesn't make sense. Uh, So right now, we're just purchasing wholesale. Okay. But what's a great thing, and we'll get into the future episode, is not so much the plant itself with the research we're going to do. It's more in the manufacturing process to make it repeatable and accessible. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. So now... um, as you're into cannabis, what is the dominant thing that you've experienced? I think the dominant thing I have experienced with cannabis is a lot of apprehension and I think a lot of old school mentality. You know, where, 
you have to deal with Congress, and we're in there. And you know, my political affiliation is America. I don't. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm tired of team sports. I think it's just dividing <laughs> our country apart. So we work with both Democrats and Republicans. And you kind of see a shift now. I mean, I personally think the Republicans are going to be ones who get this across the goal line because they're the ones making common sense legislation where Democrats are trying to tax the living you-know-what out of us, which doesn't even make it work unless you're a large corporation. So it's a really interesting thing. But just hearing people not believing in it and you say, like, look at these studies in Israel, look at these studies in Canada, look at these studies here. And they're like, well, it's not American doctors. And you're like, okay, fine. I will bring American doctors to the table and we'll prove it. So it's just a really amazing to me where you show, no kidding, hard data evidence that might not be done in America. Even though we put taxpayer money into Israel to study cannabis, right. Right. we can't look at that research. So right. that's kind of been the prominent thing of, whoa, 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 I don't think it works. And you're just kind of a typical stoner. It's like not at all. And you guys don't understand the potential of this plan. Okay, so even though this is a little bit of a teaser for a longer episode, how would people get in touch with you, Brian? How would they get in touch with your organization? Yeah, please follow us on Instagram um, at HVG Company. And then you can check out our website uh, at uh, www.hvgcompany.com. And we're very active on uh, both those platforms. So if you want to reach out, talk to us, we're there. We can uh, help you out in any other way. If you want us in your shop or you're looking for a job or whatever it may be, anything in between, we're we're very responsive on that. We want to be very transparent with everyone on, on our journey. And since you're a veteran, you know, you've, you've served our country, and thank you for your service. No. Um, you're very, very keen to talk and understanding, to talk to other veterans that are maybe experiencing some of the same things that you've experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, it's, it's good, you know, been there, done that. I get mm-hmm. what you're going through. You know, I always tell them, listen, you're never going to get rid of your demons. You just got to learn to fly above them. Right. You know, we all bring them back with us. But also, too, is I'm very open. It's like, you know, cannabis isn't for everyone. We got to be very open to that idea. However, it should be a tool in the toolkit. So if it makes sense for that veteran to consume cannabis for medicinal reasons, let's go forward. If not, let's find another alternative. You know, there's a lot of great things here with psychedelics and things that are happening. Where I've experienced some great friends of mine have done some ceremonies and it's totally changed their life where they're not looking at the alcohol anymore and they're just living the great thing. And I think all of us need to do whatever we can do because these great men and women have raised their right hand, went forward to fight for us. Now it's our turn to help them live the American dream they've, they fought so valiantly to defend. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm consciously resisting trying to make this uh, a 30 to 40 minute <laughs> <laughs> episode. So I'm going to draw this to a conclusion. And once again, thank Brian for spending this time with me. And we're going to get you on the calendar. Sounds good. Very soon. Um, because I, I I live in Chula Vista. Oh, nice. So I, I can find you. Yeah, you, you got it, man. That sounds <laughs> and great. And we're going to have you on an episode very soon. So, oh, I can't Brian, wait. thank you very much. All right. Thank you both. If you'd like to hear more Cannabis Enlightened with Dr. Leroy, be sure to visit us online at CannabisEnlightened.com and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. Cannabis Enlightened is produced in San Diego, California and presented by March and Ash at MarchandAsh.com. On behalf of Dr. Leroy, I'm Chris Cantori, and thank you for listening. Media.